It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's episode of Locked On Raptors, the Lakers... Dink. Meanwhile, the Toronto Raptors very much do not. Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam had enormous nights for the Raptors against the Lakers. We'll also dig into some thoughts on Chris Boucher, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr. as well. We've got the dude of the game to hand out. Plus, we'll take a look at the six-seed race in the Eastern Conference and what the Cleveland Cavaliers are up to. All that and so much more on a winning day edition of Lockdown Raptors coming up. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on welcome to episode number 1138 of locked on raptors for uh tuesday march the 15th i'm your host sean woodley of raptorshq.com you can find me on twitter as always at woodley sean you can find the show at locked on raptors where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast plus you can go to all your favorite podcast apps you can subscribe follow rate review over there in the audio form of the show plus you can go to youtube and hit the big red subscribe button on the locked on raptors channel and support the show that way we are very close to 1700 subs let's uh, see if we can get there it'd be very much appreciated all right uh as always as well a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day let's dive in to today's show where we are digging in to a 114 103 raptors win over a very very depressing los angeles lakers team we're going to talk about my big takeaways from the game. We've got some box score notes to go through, you know, some interesting moments in this game for the likes of Gary Trent Jr., who seemed to maybe kind of get back on track with the help of a very steady diet of looks. We will talk about Fred Van Vliet, 
who looked kind of rough last night. Is it a problem? Is it not? We'll get to that. And of course, uh, Chris Boucher. I, I think last night was kind of the last reaffirmation that I needed that he should be with the Raptors beyond the end of this season. That will be in segment two. We've got the dude of the game to hand out. We're going to check in on OG Anobi's injury. We're going to check in on the six seed race loaded show today. But let's begin with my big takeaway from this game. And I think that's kind of like a two-pronged takeaway here. One is that I'm glad the Raptors kind of came out and smacked the Lakers in the mouth like the superior team that they are. They were all over them from Jump Street. It was 21-2 to two at one point. There's nothing more delicious than embarrassing the Lakers and then seeing like the national media take notice of how embarrassed the Lakers are getting. And maybe the sort of conversation skews more Lakers heavy than it does whichever team is beating the bricks off of them. But there was some there was plenty of Raptors appreciation, I think, going around last night. That was good to see. Uh, and it's always fun to embarrass the Lakers, who themselves embarrass their own selves every single time. On the floor, it seems. I came into this game. I hadn't watched the Lakers in a while. I've been going out of my way. As the season goes along, there become teams that I'm just like, yeah, don't need to watch that. My time is more valuable than that. Uh, you know, usually that's sort of like the dregs of the league. And guess what? The Lakers are the dregs of the league. Yes, they're still in the play-in in the Western Conference, but uh, there are currently more dregs teams than there are, uh, you know, available playoff spots. Yeah, is that it? Yeah, there, no, no, wait. There's fewer good teams than there are playoffs. So yeah, there's more dregs teams. Math on the fly, baby. That's what the Lockdown Raptors is all about. Um, but yeah, the, the Lakers stink. They are an embarrassment of a team. And I don't know if I've ever seen a team less equipped to handle this version of the Toronto Raptors than the Lakers team that was rolled out last night. A starting five with the front court being Stanley Johnson, who, God bless Stanley Johnson, he's making it work, he's sticking in the NBA, he's one of the few bright lights of Lakers fandom this season, which says something, considering what we saw from Stanley Johnson over the course of two seasons in Toronto. Lovely guy, easy to root for, not especially good at basketball. You have him starting in the front court next to LeBron James, and then you have a perimeter trio of Russell Westbrook, who is profoundly sad to watch these days Malik Monk who actually kind of impressed me a little bit he seems like he's actually something and then Austin Reeves who uh, is going to be the next guy who is hilariously overrated by Lakers internet even if he might be kind of good uh, he's going to be built into being some kind of thing that he is not he is not Larry Bird Lakers fans I just maybe you haven't gotten there yet I'm sure it will happen uh, but either way that trio of defensive perimeter options is terrible they're not stopping anybody and the front court options are lebron james who has not tried on defense all season long and stanley johnson who i just don't think has the height the girth to really stick with guys like scotty barnes and pascal siakam and i think we saw early in this game the raptors very happy to just spam a, a play that they figured would work which is oh no one can guard scotty barnes or pascal siakam we're just going to have them post up or iso or get downhill around a pick or whatever it might be and they're going to score at will. And that's exactly what happened in this one. Scotty Barnes obviously had the incredible start. He had like 17 points on 8 of 9, just like a couple minutes into the second quarter. Tailed off as the game went along. Uh, only hit one of his remaining uh, 8 shots in the game. But that's fine. He was tremendous early on in this one. And that was really all they needed. And Pascal Siakam also, like he was a little bit more steady throughout the game. He hit a lot of free throws late, uh, which was good to see him kind of seal it. Uh, but, you know, they 
really went away from this game as it went went away in this game as it went along from the Siakam Barnes just kind of all right let's just do dueling drives and and punk the Lakers that way they ended up sort of mixing things up and I think used the rest of this game kind of interestingly and honestly that's kind of the second part of my opinion here is that I don't really have a problem with the fact that they kind of took the foot off the gas. The second half was not a banner half of basketball from the Raptors by any means. They played some weird lineups. They got into some situations where their offense got a little bit gummy and, and sort of bogged down. Uh, only scored 23 points in that final quarter after uh, kind of having their way with the Lakers whenever they really wanted to. The Lakers had a bit of a fake comeback. And boy, oh boy, was it ever a fake comeback. As Raptors fans, if you were watching the last few minutes of that game last night where the Lakers were oscillating between being down 16 and down 11. Uh, if you were at any point worried about the Lakers actually coming back there, I'm a little bit concerned for your level of worry and panic. You should probably relax a little bit uh, because the Lakers were doing the Tampa Raptors thing. It was like the most transparent fake comeback that's ever fake comebacked non-Raptors division last season. And they just did not have the juice. They did not have the wherewithal to put together more than four possessions without doing something utterly embarrassing, like throwing it out of bounds for no reason or kicking it off a foot or putting up a ridiculous brick that just had no chance of going down. Like they are not a serious basketball team. And I appreciated that the Raptors kind of realized at any moment we can take this game back and wrest control away from the Lakers. The Lakers never had control of this game to begin with, but the Raptors seem to know all right, yeah, the Lakers could go on a run, but we're going to be fine because if that happens, we're just going to do the thing where Scotty or Pascal sizes up a matchup and uh, destroys them and gets back in control. And we saw this like multiple times throughout the game where the, the Lakers kind of threatened to come back. And then all of a sudden the Raptors just do like a simple lineup change or a simple change in what they're doing on the floor, you know, funnel some shots away from Gary Trent Jr. for a bit, get him over to Pascal or, or, or Scotty. Uh, you know, get Chris Boucher to knock down a three or two in a timely fashion. And then all of a sudden the game is back well within the Raptors control. And, and I mean, look, you can look at this two ways. You can say, wow, they didn't play a full 48 minutes. They didn't put the pedal to the metal. They took their foot off the gas and they really let the Lakers kind of hang around in this one, despite being up on them 21 at the end of the first quarter, 19 at the end of the first six minutes. That said, We've been begging all season long for this Raptors team to just take it easy and stop like having to go full bore to get every single win. And they realized, it seemed, hey, we can win this game pretty easily. The Lakers are not serious. And they adjusted accordingly. And I think, you know, expended less effort as a result, which is not a bad thing for a team that has been expending max effort all season long. And I don't think we can sit here and have been complaining about the lack of management of these guys and the overexertion and the overburdening of minutes and look at a game where they really take their foot off the gas, don't play terribly serious basketball in the second half, don't defend super well. Uh, you know, their offense wasn't humming along or running with any sort of efficiency really in, in long stretches of this game. We can't look at that and be like, oh, that's that's disappointing. That's unacceptable when we've been begging for them to take a goddamn chill pill all season long and just, uh, you know, reserve guys minutes and stop playing them 43 minutes. That said, you know, Scotty Barnes and Fred VanVleet both play 40 minutes in this game. I don't agree with Fred playing 40 minutes. I'll get to that coming up in my box score notes in segment number two. Uh, but overall, I, I like that this felt like a kind of minimum effort game for the Raptors. And when you can do that over the course of 82 games, that actually matters. That's a valuable thing to be able to do is to realize when you can win a game without having to play, you know, full 
full exhaustion mode, right? Which is what the Raptors have had to do a lot this season to win games. But because they were able to, you know, just kind of spam two actions, which was, uh, you know, Siakam and Barnes have ball, go score. That really freed them up in this one, I think, to just sort of take it easy and not make this a game where you're expending all of the effort that you typically might. You know, not all 40-minute chunks are made the same either, right? Fred Van Vliet played 40 minutes in this game, but I don't think I looked at this game as a game where Fred was going full bore and was completely like out of energy by the end of it. It was a pretty lackadaisical walk through the L.A. park or, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I like the way that this game all went down. They showed a lot of pretty intriguing things in particular that like the Siakam Barnes sort of dueling drives and post-ups thing. That is like a, a real thing. It's becoming a real thing. And it seems like it's going to become sort of like the, the staple of their offense, honestly. And maybe it should like those guys can create a lot with their just their, the, the leverage that they have as scorers. They and they're great passers, obviously. That feels to me like a pretty great way to get this offense kind of humming along through two fulcrums that really seem like they're up to the task. Uh, you know, Scotty last night going up against LeBron in that first quarter was unbelievable. His that one-handed sort of step back thing. I don't even know what shots Scotty's taking anymore. His arms are so long. He covers so much space. It feels like he's always two feet away from the basket, no matter where he is. He just puts up shots and they go in. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and it was cool to see him take it to LeBron. Uh, obviously, LeBron took, took exception to that by uh, throwing a ball at Scotty when trying to save a ball out of bounds uh, in just a desperate attempt to, you know, make this game somewhat competitive. It, it was a whole lot of desperate attempts to make it look like LeBron cared in this game. The whole fake comeback in the fourth quarter felt purely like, oh, he realizes that the scoring lead is on the line. He's got to get to 30 to keep himself in the scoring title race. And he got himself there and the team was no better for it. So uh, this is an utterly depressing era of, uh, of Lakers basketball. It's a bummer of an end to LeBron's career. The last couple of seasons, it's a waste of a season for him. It's hard to overcome that, but it was nice to see the Raptors uh, look at a team that is down bad and uh, just do some kicking. <laughs> but you know, they laid off the kicking by the end because who wants to tie yourself out with kicking the Lakers? Because why would you? Uh, we're going to continue on here. I'm going to run through my box score notes on some guys from the game last night, and then we'll get to the dude of the game to round out the show as well. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us, and from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. It remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, so you're never making a bet without being fully informed as to what it is you're betting on. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline has you covered for live sports wagering. You've got Vegas casino games as well that you can take part in. Plus, all the other sports are on the table. You've got baseball back and running in a few weeks. Very exciting stuff. Go put some money on Vlad Jr. to win MVP or the home run title or put the money on the Blue Jays to win the World Series. Why the hell not? They're amazing. They're going to go sign Freddie Freeman too, baby. Uh, so go and check them out over at Bet Online. You can head to the website or use your mobile device and learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online is where the game starts. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so continuing on your first listen of the day here on Locked on Raptors, digging into my box score notes from last night. Uh, you know, for me, I, I found a couple of really interesting pockets in this game as it related to Gary Trent Jr. The Raptors were running some uh, strange, bizarro crews out there. At different points in the game, they at one point had none of Scotty or Fred or Pascal on the floor. Uh, <laughs> you know, a, a couple of points I think that took place actually throughout the game. Not going to lie, the note taking gets a little bit less over the course of a, a game like that, where the first quarter you're taking everything, and then by the fourth you're like, oh my god, this is over. What am I taking notes on? But either way, uh, you know, Gary Trent Jr. I, I think in this game, I liked that they kind of just opened it up some pockets here for him to get in a rhythm. He's a guy who can absolutely swing a game when he's hot. He had that huge game on Friday with 42 against the Suns. That was awesome to see, busting out of a really long slump. Uh, didn't have a great game in Denver on Saturday, just eight, eight points. I think he was like 2 of 13 or something like that. Not uh, especially banner performance from Gary Trent Jr. then, and it still seems like he's working to get back into some kind of rhythm here. He's a very rhythm-based player. He's a very, uh, you know, the, the intricacies of Gary Trent Jr.'s game are difficult to sort of comprehend. He's a weirdo guy. Fun guy to watch, but kind of baffling <laughs> at the same time. It doesn't seem like there's any rhyme or reason to when he's hot, when he's not. But, you know, I, I think the choice by the Raptors last night, late in the third quarter, for example, this kind of goes to my whole point of like not taking this game entirely seriously and not having to run your best stuff all the way through to win this one. It seemed like in the fourth quarter or the third quarter, that is, they were just like, yeah, you know what, Gary, go shoot yourself out of whatever you've been in over the last little while here. He didn't especially do it very well. He was only seven of 19. He was three of nine from downtown, but he got to the line 13 times in this game picked up a ton of fouls on jump shots, was driving a little bit too, uh, 28 points for him overall. And I just like the idea of giving Gary Trent Jr. some time to cook. He's the kind of guy who, when you do give him that time to cook and he starts cooking, it's a problem for other teams. And it didn't really matter against the Lakers, but if you can get him to a point where he's comfortable to just come in and start firing away, you know, playing him with bench lineups, I really like it, honestly, because the bench doesn't have to be much more than Gary Trent Jr. fires up a bunch of shots and everyone else crashes the offensive glass and everyone gets back in defense. Like if you're going to find rest for Barnes or Fred or Siakam, using Gary Trent Jr. is kind of the fulcrum of your offense and just having him go to work and have it be Gary Trent time is not the worst thing in the world. And I, I think I liked the way that they did that, even if he didn't have a terribly efficient night overall. I mean, he ended up having 28 points on 19 attempted field goals with all the free throws mixed in. Uh, so that's not bad. But, you know, I, I think just... This Raptors team, if they're going to hit their ceiling, if they're going to be able to take out good teams in the postseason and take them by surprise, they're not going to be able to do it without Gary Trent Jr. popping off. And I think giving him any opportunity here in the final month to kind of get back to where he was in January is a pretty excellent thing because Gary Trent Jr. being hot doesn't have to take away from the rest of the team either. It really kind of just helps make the team 
a healthier operation, especially when he's playing with really good players like Fred and Scotty and Siakam and OG eventually. Like he doesn't have to create anything there. He's just going to be the benefactor of all the attention those guys garner. And if he's knocking down those shots, the entire landscape of the Raptors looks a lot different. And I think as a testing ground to kind of get him back in the rhythm, not a bad way to go about it in this game with long stretches of sort of Gary time uh, against the very piss poor Lakers. Uh, other guys to note uh, and remark upon Fred Van Vliet, uh, again, 40 minutes did not agree with him playing that many minutes in this one. He wasn't even guaranteed to play in this one until before game time. And I think if there is a misstep here, it's, it's Nick Nurse playing him that heavily in this game, right? Like there was just no need for it. He probably didn't have to be there in, you know, the fourth quarter or something like that. Like they probably could have put this game away with just Siakam and Scotty, honestly. Um, you know, it's a bummer that the start of the fourth quarter, they kind of gave up a little bit of a run and it got to be, to, it was like, shout out to Matt Devlin, man. Matt Devlin was like doing the fake comeback thing in the inverse with the other team doing it in this one, trying to keep the Lakers involved, making it seem like the Lakers were closer than they were. I don't think the Raptors ever felt terribly threatened, but they got to the point where it was like a 14 point game or something. And they had to bring Siakam back in and Barnes. And again, it's just, it's a bummer that that happened because I think it cut into the potential rest you could have gotten here for Fred. And he doesn't look hundred percent right. The leg does legs don't really seem there in a shot right now. Two of 12 from three last night, uh, a couple of big ones, obviously, but a lot of really, really short. And you know, he had an air ball late in this one as well. Not what you want to see. And like they're not going anywhere if Fred Van Vliet's not 100% or close to 100%. No one's 100% right now. But if he is not himself in any way, if he is hobbled by that knee and it's cutting into his on the you know point of attack defense, if it's cutting into his ability to get to the basket, which he didn't really do last night, 14 uh, shots, 12 of them were threes. You know, we talked last week uh, sort of going off the point made by our pal Louis Zatzman that when uh, Fred Van Vliet's getting to the rim, that's kind of the indicator that he is good and feeling healthy. We didn't see that last night, so that's a bit of a troubling sign. Hopefully, they can manage this knee thing with him, and you know maybe they don't play him against the Clippers on Wednesday. That's a tricky one. The Clippers are a weird team. The other than the Lakers, like the Lakers are this like completely ill-equipped team to go up against the Raptors. The the Clippers are kind of built similarly in that they have everybody's basically six foot nine and large. They just have a little bit less offensive juice overall without their main guys. Um, so it, it'll be a tricky one, more difficult, surely, than the game against the Lakers. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that L.A. Sun today will help uh, <laughs> get Fred some rest for that knee and he's feeling good for tomorrow. I don't know, but uh, certainly something to keep an eye on because Fred Van Vliet's got to be close to like 80, 85 percent of this team really wants to go anywhere. As we've seen, they can make it work when they play all huge and see Ockham and Barnes are basically your point guards. But in the postseason, it's just not going to work that way. If it's only those two guys kind of driving your offense, Fred's pull up three point shooting, his off ball three point shooting even more so are just such integral pieces of how this Raptors team operates. Got to keep an eye on him. And the 40 minutes last night, I think, was the biggest misstep on a night where there weren't really any missteps from Nick Nurse. But I, I think that was kind of a, a poor allotment of minutes, especially with Delano Banton only playing five minutes overall. Like, he's been good enough lately. He was rough last night, didn't do much in his five minutes. But I, I think you very easily could have played Banton some more to offset Fred Van Vliet's minutes in this one because uh, he played a lot. And it was not necessary because the Lakers, as we've discussed, are ass. Uh, last thing here. Uh, on the box score notes, Chris Boucher, man, loved his game last night. 13 points, eight boards, five of eight, two of five from downtown. A couple of really timely threes, um, you know, when the Lakers were trying to make comebacks and whatnot. I think I've seen enough, and I am fully on board with the re-sign Chris Boucher agenda. I have been sort of oscillating back and forth between that all season long, unsure what I feel about it. 
I think you got to bring him back. He has been so dynamite for this Raptors team. His defense has been just, you know, I used to really, really struggle with Chris Boucher as like a viewing experience because he was loud and did hilarious things and did, you know, have had these flourishes where he looks like he's just like dropped out of space here to play basketball. And he didn't really feel like he was contributing to winning all that much. And it's been more reserved this season. The numbers have not been popping off the screen or anything like that. But he has been clearly the best he's ever been as a Raptor. It's kind of like a hybrid of some of the best elements of last season and the best elements of the sort of chaos season that he wrought off the bench with Rondé Hollis Jefferson back in 2019-20, where he was this just like ball of energy. He would come in, offensive rebound, play like a maniac. And he's doing that. And in addition, he's got some of the elements from last season where he's got more of an expanded offensive game. He had a beautiful finish last night uh, in the lane, kind of double clutching. Like that kind of stuff is not really stuff he was doing. You know, he was just kind of the way I've described him before is he's a he was like a shooting guard in a tall guy's body. And that's not the case anymore. He, He just he looks like a more ready basketball player for actual meaningful basketball games and like i fully trust chris boucher to play postseason games this season not something i would have said at the start of the season i'm fully on board with bringing him back and again like we've talked about before when we've brought this conversation up on the podcast he's not playing at a level where you're gonna have to pay him 20 million bucks to keep him around you could probably keep him around for like 10 million bucks a year for a couple seasons and that's probably going to be enough to to win that sweepstakes especially with very few teams out there with cap space and i would think even fewer teams looking to sign a 29 year old bench big like that's just not the kind of guy most teams spend their their cap space on and so should be easy to bring him back and i think at this point you really really have to do what you can to to bring him back because he fits the ethos of the team really well you know it creates issues on the bench with the number of bigs they have and the different fits and all that and that's going to be something that has to i think maybe be addressed in the offseason and maybe rebalancing the roster a little bit not necessarily with size, because I think they're, the six foot nine thing is here to stay, but maybe swapping out some of those bigs for bigger guys who can shoot. That's, you know, it's easier said than done, certainly. But uh, I think that's maybe sort of the plan that's got to be in, in action this summer. Uh, but Boucher, I think, very clearly fits into the big man rotation, whatever it's going to look like next year. Bring Boucher back. I think last night really was the last sort of. Uh, you know, straw that broke the uh, Chris Boucher non-believers back. Uh, I, I'm fully in and on board with Chris Boucher, longtime Raptor. Let's go. Uh, we're going to finish things up. We're going to get to the due to the game in just one second here and round of the show. Plus, we're going to take a look at OG Ananobi, some injury news there. And also, we've got uh, the six seed race. It's heating up. We're going to take a little quick look at that as well. Before we do that, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com who are making your life easier when you have car trouble. If you have a part that you need replacing on your car, don't go to the mechanic and just ask for the one part that they have in stock. They're going to charge you whatever they want for it because they own the only thing they have and you are in the position of no power here. Go to rockauto.com instead and address your auto parts needs through them because they are going to get you the parts that you need. They're going to give you more choice. They're going to give you better prices, and they're going to make it a super easy, seamless experience for you. I don't know anything about cars. I'm a dum-dum. I just I don't get it. I don't know how they work. I, I barely know how to put windshield washer fluid into my car. I'm pathetic. But I know how to use rockauto.com to get the stuff I need from my car. If I need to do mats, which uh, the winter time is coming, I'm a I'm a skier, and, and so my my car is a mess. It's a it's a nightmare. The mats in the car are salty and snowy and slushy and gross, 
And sometimes instead of cleaning those bad boys, I'm just going to buy new ones. And I can do that from rockauto.com. You can get important stuff too, like brake parts and tail lamps, all the important things and all the aesthetic things and everything in between is available at rockauto.com. And they're super easy to use website. They're a family business. They've been doing it for 20 years. You got to check them out. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax, make your moves, they'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, rounding out the show. And on today's show, we got a handout, of course, the due to the game, which is how we finish off every episode of the podcast. And your dude of the game for the game against the Lakers, as I continue to do the thing where I forget to do my graphic until the time comes, uh, <laughs> we are going with precious Achua. I'm trying to find the graphic I have written up here. It's a nightmare. Please bear with me. But Precious Achua is my dude of the game. Last night, 10 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, a pretty effective little game for, for Precious Achua. And he did it without doing the stuff he's done lately, which has really kind of made him pop as a player, right? The three-point shooting has been kind of the main storyline over the last little while here. He's shooting north of 40% over his last 60-something attempts after not really attempting a whole lot in the early part of the season. It's totally ratcheted up, and it's really changed the way the floor looks when he's out there, and he's able to stand in the corner, and you feel pretty confident that if it goes to him, he's going to do something smart with it, whether it's put up a shot and hit it, or whether it's maybe do a little baseline drive or something like that, put up a little floater. He's done stuff like that too. And, and I just think I feel so much more confident with Precious Achua on the floor than I ever used to, right? Like I'm always kind of looking forward to Precious's minutes in a way that at the start of the season, I was kind of dreading them. And he got the start last night, which is something I've been clamoring for as well. He started, of course, on Saturday against the Nuggets as well. Kind of didn't fare super well against Nikola Jokic, which I don't think you can blame him for. Uh, Jokic is a difficult man. To, he's basically like trying to guard a grizzly bear. Uh, and Precious Achua didn't quite have that. And that's fine. But I, I think... He just, he feels just like such a more sort of confident and controlled player these days. And I like the idea of starting him. I like the fit as well with the starters. And I think maybe that's a bit of like a controversial take because he does offer a lot of sameness, right? Like you have Siakam and Barnes who are going to be the guys you want kind of isoing and driving and, and getting into the teeth of the defense. Achua wants to do a lot of that stuff too, but I think he's doing enough in terms of complementary things where you know he's not the typical glue guy that a guy like Ken Birch is, where he's short rolling, he's hitting guys in the corners, he's offensive rebounding, all that stuff. You know, I, I think Precious is you know a little bit more sort of uh, what's the word, uh, <laughs> a little more prone to commandeering the offense. But 
I do think he's gotten to be a bit more of a sort of complimentary piece with some of the things he offers. The shooting obviously is number one. You can have a Siakam or a Barnes with the ball in their hands or a Fred or whatever it is and know that pressure's in the corner. He's not mucking things around. He's not looking for the ball to go and, and sort of cause some chaos. He's just there waiting for an open look in the corner, and that's awesome to see. I also think, you know, the the role work he's doing, you know, he's not like a great roller or anything like that just yet, but I think he's getting better. He's getting more incrementally, uh, you know, good at catching those lobs and stuff like that. You know, there, there are still the down things, right? The downturns. There's the overzealous drives. There's the silly shots at stupid times in the clock where he's posting up where he doesn't have to with 16 seconds left on the shot clock, whatever it might be. And, of course, there's the most doomed play in all of the 2021-22 Raptors repertoire, which is the Precious Achua offensive rebound in traffic. Uh, it just very rarely leads to anything good. Happened a couple times again last night where it ended in horrible, horrible things. But I just I'm liking the way he's fitting alongside Scotty and Pascal in that front court iteration right now, because he again he he's doing a little bit more in terms of things to complement those guys as opposed to trying to do what they do well, just doing it worse. If that makes sense, I, I also think you know the, the defense is undeniable, and having him out there, kind of as a, a backline you know rim protecting option a guy who's going to muck things up a guy who's going to you know poke passing you know poke balls from passing lanes and rip balls away from guys who are driving he just kind of feeds into the raptors transition attack and that's what the raptors completely dusted the lakers with last night in the first quarter is every single bucket seemed like it was on the run or in semi-transition or whatever it was the defense was never set for the lakers and i think precious kind of helps ignite that he can also just grab and go right he's not kem birch where kem is grabbing it and finding the, the nearest outlet precious can grab it and just take it and really kick starts and ignites that transition offense so for now, with OG Ananobi not available, I, I like the idea of him starting. Nick Nurse said before the game last night that it's going to be kind of a matchup-based thing for the next little bit when it comes to who starts at center. Um, and I understand the reasons why you throw Kem in there. He's a good screener. He's a, a decent passer. His offensive rebounding has been tremendous this season. But his finishing around the basket has not been there. And if it's going to be similar to what Precious Achua is doing around the rim, I would rather Precious in there for the sort of dynamism he offers. And three-point shooting, which Kem is just not really kind of dabbled in, uh, since last season at the back part of the year when he joined the Raptors. And I think what Precious is doing off the ball is a pretty effective thing to throw out there around what the Raptors have. They need any shooting around Scotty and Pascal to really make it work. And in the absence of OG Ananobi, Precious might be the next best guy right now in terms of who's hot. Is he the third best shooter on the team, fourth best shooter on the team? Probably not. But he's operating that way right now, and it's looked pretty good. So uh, big, big ups to Precious Achua is your Due to the game, he's been really, really great since the All-Star game, man. I'm super impressed with where he's come along. Uh, we got a couple more things to quickly hit on here to round out the show. Just want to update uh, OG Ananobi. It sounds like there's still a fracture in his finger. Sounds like he's going to practice today. They're going to see what the pain thing is like and if he can tolerate it. Because we're right around that two-week window of when he was supposed to return. Obviously, the Raptors and injury timelines are a little bit of a sort of... Uh, it's like artistic. It's like, oh, well, it could be this. It's whatever you perceive it to be. It's a very interesting way to view injuries. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't really know when OG is going to come back. I hope it's soon because they miss his defense incredibly. They miss his extra shooting and they miss that sort of, you know, bully ball element, the post-ups that he does. All really good stuff that is just kind of absent from their game right now. No one bullies guys in the post the way OG does, right? Like Scotty kind of bobs and weaves his way to his spots really effectively doesn't kind of bulldoze guys over just yet you've also got 
Pascal, who's more of just like a straight line driver these days, he's just kind of taking picks and letting rolling with it. He's not posting up a ton. Uh, and so if you get that extra element from OG, that sort of inside out element, it's a really nice thing to sort of throw in as a wrinkle for a few possessions here and there. They really need him back. And I do think like you know, once he's back, he should, the starting five should go back to what it was. It should just be the small look with Scotty kind of as the nominal five. Um, maybe you bring Scotty out early and run him with the bench lineups, or maybe you bring out Gary early and run him with the bench lineups. I'm not sure, but I think you start with that look. It's just their best five guys. It's how you get the best five guys the most minutes over the course of a game. I just think that's the easiest. But, um, you know, Precious is making a case to potentially start in someone's place. This is the thing is when we talk about the starting five, it's like, oh, they need a center in there. No one has really actually come up with the argument of who should sit. Scotty has kind of been the argument at times, but I think he's playing too damn well right now to really entertain that. You want him playing as many minutes as possible. You don't want to artificially suppress them because he's coming off the bench. Um, so it's not an easy thing to figure out. It's one of them good problems. Oh no, we have too many potentially good start starting fives. Uh, what a, what a problem this is real first world shit. But, um, yeah, I, I think the, uh, return of OG is something to keep an eye on here. And if he can come back, great. would love to see him return. We're going to dig into his return and what it could mean for the rotation on a later episode of the podcast this week, either on Friday or on Wednesday, just figuring out schedules with guests and stuff like that right now to figure out exactly when that will be. But we will be digging into the uh, return rotation of the team and what it should look like once OG is ideally back and healthy. And maybe Malachi Flynn too, although we have not gotten any word on what's going on with his hamstrings. So uh, again, OG is going to practice today, it sounds like, just to see what the pain tolerance is like. If it's still hurting, um, and, you know, th this thing might not go away this season. Who's to say? Fra fractures are weird. Fingers are weird. Using your fingers all the time seems like something you could easily re-aggravate. I'm no doctor. I just have fingers and know how they work. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. The other quick thing I just wanted to hit on was the race for the sixth seed. The Cavaliers win against the Clippers last night. The damn Clippers couldn't do a damn favor, losing overtime. Uh, and the Cavs, on the back of a really, really excellent 30-point game from Evan Mobley, uh, are still one game ahead of the Raptors. As far as strength of schedule goes, uh, the Raptors currently, per tankathon, have the 17th highest opposing winning percentage of 493 uh of all the teams uh of all the teams remaining and then the cavaliers of the 20th ranked strength of schedule so no clear schedule advantage for either of these teams um you know some pretty big ones the Cavs get the sixers twice they get the bulls they get the nuggets they get the raptors of course uh and they also have the bucks and the mavericks but they have some easy ones as well they get the lakers once they get the magic twice they get the pistons and they get the knicks the raptors have only five real cream puff games left i would say against the rockets the magic the pacers the knicks and the lakers uh, coming up on this friday for the lakers and then they have the heat the sixers the bulls the celtics the Cavs. so basically the entire top half of the eastern conference save for uh what team is not in there of all of that bunch my brain is not uh computing what team is there that they're not playing uh god <laughs> <laughs> this is bad. Uh, they don't have any games left against the uh, the Bucks. Is that it? Yeah. Um, good God, my brain. Yeah, they don't play the Bucks at all. There we go. And they got the Wolves as well, who just had a sixty point burger from Carl Anthony Towns last night. They're really awesome. So not uh, any sort of clear advantage when it comes to schedule. Both these teams have difficult games and easy games, as everybody does. Around the same uh, remaining strength of schedule as well. Uh, so it really, I think, is going to come down to that March 24th game. Raptors, Cavs. The Cavs have the tiebreaker either way. So, you know, theoretically, they're actually like two games ahead right now, even though they're only one ahead in the standings. Uh, that game could be a bit of an equalizer if the Raptors can at least win that and gain back a full game on the Cavs in a game where they have full control over what the Cavs outcome will be. 
that's a big one on the 24th. We'll be uh, sure to preview the hell out of that one. We're also going to check in soon with Chris Manning uh, this week, either Wednesday or Friday, again, figuring out schedules for guests. But uh, we're going to check in with Chris Manning from Locked On Cavs this week to get a read on where the Cavs are, how they're set up for this run for the sixth seed. Because boy, oh boy, that sixth seed is going to be valuable, man. I don't want to play the Nets. The Nets obviously might not have Kyrie, and they are their own sort of incomplete weirdo team right now. But Kevin Durant scares the living bejesus out of me. I just, no thanks. Don't want that at all in a, in a play-in game. And you get the potential of like a Raptors-Bulls first round 3-6. I think that's worth fighting for uh, because I think the Bulls could be had potentially. As much as they have Alex Caruso back now, and he's really, really good at defense in particular. Uh, and as much as DeMar has been an absolute killer, and as much as that team has a ton of offensive firepower, they're probably the one I think the Raptors stand the best chance of upsetting in the first round. And that seems like it could be on the table with how things are so clustered in the Eastern Conference right now. The Bulls, however, do have the most difficult remaining schedule. So still a lot to play for here in the Eastern Conference. Nothing is really set in stone. It's all really on the table. And you know, it's the Raptors here. They're really going to run over their final 14 games or so. They win a pretty good chunk of those. We have no idea where they might end up seeding-wise. Maybe they end up fifth. Like All of this is still very much up in the air it's so clustered there's six and a half games at a first they're not going to get there but i think anywhere between like fourth and sixth is still on the table considering where they are who they still have left to play and the you know just the sort of jumbled nature of this eastern conference as long as they can keep that distance between them and the nets to avoid having to go play in brooklyn in a play-in game potentially i think you're probably pretty happy with where you're at but i still want nothing to do with that nets team in a play-in game just uh, get them all the way the hell away from me Anyway, that is, think, I think, going to leave uh, things off for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, making us your first listen of the day. We'll be back again tomorrow. Again, not sure what the shape of tomorrow's episode will be, but the rest of the week is going to look as follows. We're going to talk about the Cavaliers and check in on them at some point. We're going to break down the Clippers game on Thursday, and we're also going to take a look at what the rotation should look like once OG returns and you start sizing up what your playoff rotation is going to look like. We're going to address that this week on the show. We'll figure out which days those will be, but you should tune in every day just in case you we're talking about the thing you want to hear about on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. Uh, so thank you so much for tuning in. You can go make your second listen of the day. Locked on NBA is there covering every single night the wonderful, wonderful uh, NBA season. This has been a really fun stretch of basketball since the All-Star break. It seems like the league is kind of healthy and in a nice place for the first time in a while. And it's all just kind of about the fun basketball and the award races and the standings races and all of this stuff. It's a pretty compelling close to the season. Usually we don't find this in March where the end of the season is fun and interesting and cool. And it usually just kind of feels like the dog days, but it's feeling pretty invigorating right now. So go and uh, check out Locked in NBA. They're breaking down the biggest action every single night. Probably plenty of Lakers slander on today's episode of the show. So go look at that. Uh, and uh, with that, we will leave you and we will talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.